welcome back to the Spider-Man miniseries on Cinematic Reviews. As always, I'm your host, Chris, here to give my thoughts on Mark Webb's Amazing Spider-Man duology, starring Andrew Garfield as Peter Parker slash Spider-Man and Emma Stone as Gwen Stacy. To get things started, let's talk about some facts. The Amazing Spider-Man grossed $757 million worldwide in 2012. And then two years later, The Amazing Spider-Man 2 goes just barely over $700 million. Due to the backlash and poor return on The Amazing Spider-Man 2, a third, fourth, and a spin-off centering around the Sinister Six were all canceled. Andrew Garfield was almost the MCU Spider-Man, but Marvel and Sony couldn't come to an agreement in time. As a result, Marvel convinced Sony to reboot the Spider-Man franchise once again and casted Tom Holland in the role. Originally, Mary Jane Watson was to make an appearance played by Shailene Woodley. However, her scenes were cut in order to give the relationship between Peter and Gwen more screen time. Due to the filming and an actual clock tower for the final battle, temperatures rose to almost 115 degrees, causing Dane DeHaan's goblin suit to be dangerously hot. Crew members had to install the tubing system inside the suit in order to pump cold water into it. Garfield has admitted numerous times in interviews to shedding tears during his first fitting of the suit. In order to prepare for the role of Spider-Man, Garfield also studied the movements and behaviors of Spider-Man to incorporate into the film. Due to the incredible fan reactions to Spider-Man No Way Home, rumors have suggested that both Garfield and Maguire are expected to get more movies based on their versions of Spider-Man. Now let's get to my thoughts on Andrew Garfield and his two Spider-Man films. Back in 2012, after watching Andrew Garfield for the first time as Spider-Man, I was immediately sold on him. Garfield brought so much joy and pride to the role. From what I understand, he was a huge Spider-Man fan as a kid, and it definitely shows. He took the role very seriously, and it's a shame that his time was cut so short. If the rumors are true, Garfield deserves at least one more movie in order to complete his trilogy. The first Amazing Spider-Man movie is very different from all the other Spider-Man movies, including its sequel. Mark Webb went for a much darker tone with his first shot at Spider-Man. This was a bold choice, and I think it works for the most part. Being completely different from the Raimi trilogy was the right move at the time. With the backlash behind Spider-Man 3, understand why they made the choices they made. There are two choices, however, that I don't really care for even for this day. The first is the suit design. They completely redesigned the suit for Garfield, and I'm honestly not really a fan of it. The choice of the yellow eyes is what really turns me away from it. It would have looked a lot better if they would have kept the classic white eyes. I do like the long version of the Spider-Man logo, though. It fits in the universe, and I really enjoy seeing it every time. The second choice is another design flaw. I don't really care for the look of the lizard, particularly the nose and the mouth area. It honestly just looks really off to me. I also wish he would have worn the lab coat the entire time because the, to me, that's what the lizard is growing up watching the old cartoons. Aside from the design flaws, I think Rise Ifans did a great job with the Kirk Connors character. He was a very compelling character who was stuck in a tough place. Like everyone, he had a boss who expected him to deliver in order to keep his job. He was passionate about his work and just wanted to succeed so he could just so he could have his arm back and heal the rest of the world. I saw a lot of similarities between him and the Otto Octavius character in Spider-Man 2. Both lost their ways in search of their dreams. The Peter and Gwen relationship is what makes both Amazing Spider-Man movies so great. In this one, the audience gets to watch not only Peter and Gwen fall in love, but also Garfield and Emma Stone. Their perfect chemistry off-screen enhances their chemistry on-screen. Out of the three Spider-Man iterations, this is by far the best relationship. I love the Tom Holland trilogy, but even his relationship with Zendaya isn't on the same level as Andrew and Emma's. It's heartbreaking when Peter decides to end things out of respect for Gwen's dad. I think it was a great choice for them to kill off Captain Stacy in order to create struggle within Peter. 
I find with their decision to have Peter and Gwen quickly get back together at the very end, it works. But I think it would have been interesting to have them still broken up going into the sequel. The movie could have ended with the voicemail of Uncle Ben giving him the push he needed to become Spider-Man after the death of Captain Stacy. And I would have been fine with that. Well, on the subject of Uncle Ben, I like Martin Sheen and Sally Fields as Uncle Ben and Aunt May. They were a great duo together. They had great chemistry and were fun to watch, especially the back and forth about their meatloaf. The Uncle Ben death scene in this movie was a little bit better than the one in the very first Spider-Man movie. Both Sheen and Garfield acted their hearts out. I love Martin Sheen, so seeing him die is always heartbreaking for me. Webb wanted to give that death scene a little extra meaning behind it, and I think he nailed it. Overall, this is a terrific Spider-Man movie, and it's a joy to see every time I watch it. It has the best Stan Lee cameo out of all the Marvel movies, in my opinion. The library fight scene with him just working while wearing headphones was perfect. I hope Garfield gets another chance at the role because he honestly deserves it. He put his heart into every scene and it shows. He had a bright future as Spider-Man, and once again, Sony is to blame for dropping the ball. I used to always give The Amazing Spider-Man 2 a lot of shit, even when it came out in 2014. I was completely wrong about it, and I think it was because I followed the rest of the fan base like a sheep. This movie was dragged into the street and beaten to death countless times, but I love this movie a lot. It beats the first Amazing Spider-Man by a small margin, but I think it's only by a small one because the relationship between Peter and Gwen was so strong in that one. The Amazing Spider-Man 2 does still feel overloaded, though. Once again, Sony freaked out over the MCU taking over the superhero genre and tried to establish an entire universe in one movie. If they would have just taken their time, they could have created an awesome universe around Garfield's Spider-Man. We got teases of the Sinister Six throughout the movie, and it got me really excited for the future. Watching it today, though, is just saddening because Sony dropped the ball so hard in 2014. I'm still hopeful, though. We'll see what happens after the huge success of No Way Home. Like Spider-Man 3, there are a lot of villains in this movie. Jamie Foxx being casted as Electro was a great choice. He's a terrific actor, and he played the character with pride. The blue design of him was ridiculous to me, but it fit the universe that Webb built. Going from a nerdy and awkward engineer to this powerful being who controls electricity was so compelling. He just wanted to be seen and appreciated for his work, but as we saw in the film, he can't control it, and the world sees him as another villain for Spider-Man to fight. Dane DeHaan at the time wouldn't have been my first choice to play Harry Osborn or Green Goblin, but I think he did a great job with the role. Incorporating a family genetic disease into the character was interesting, and it worked. It created this lust for finding a cure that caused Harry to lose his way and to turn on Peter. The scene where Harry's is painfully turning into the Goblin was terrifying, especially for younger viewers. My youngest sister today still gets scared watching it. Originally, the writers wanted Harry to die in the clock tower, but they eventually changed their minds and had him survive in order to be in the future projects. Lastly, we get Paul Giamatti as Rhino. He goes from this ru Russian gangster to fighting cops in a mechanized Rhino suit. Again, Giamatti wouldn't have been my first choice for the role, but I think he did a great job with what he was given. It was kind of poetic how the movie started and ended with Garfield fighting Rhino. Once again, we get an awesome love story with Garfield and Emma Stone that ends in tragedy. Seeing the death of Gwen Stacy on screen was an unforgettable moment for me. Growing up a huge Spider-Man fan, I always dreaded the thought of what if they actually did it, and they fucking did it. This is a monumental mo moment in Spider-Man lore. Reading it in comics is one thing, but seeing it on the big screen with Garfield and Emma playing the roles was something else. We are so lucky to be alive right now. We have the MCU, Star Wars is taking off on Disney+, and we have the death of Gwen Stacy on screen. Just incredible. Like I said earlier, I wish Peter and Gwen would have been broken up going into this film because the relationship stuff got, got a little messy with the breaking up and getting back together. We get stalker Peter, Peter because of it, which is a big debate among fans even today. I think it's fine, though. 
He just wanted to protect her and be a part of her life still. She, she didn't seem too disturbed by it, so I think it's fine in the end. It's all water under the bridge when we get to the death scene, though. It's easily one of my favorite moments in this in the entire Spider-Man franchise. With a new suit, the death of Gwen Stacy, Garfield is Spider-Man. Amazing Spider-Man 2 is a fun and terrific movie. I have a lot more respect for it now. I'm clinging on to the hope that Garfield gets another go at it as Spider-Man. He has my respect, and he deserves more from the rest of the world. He brought something very special to it. The short fight at the end with Rhino was such a great hype, get hype moment for the future that most likely won't happen anytime soon. For the longest time, I've considered Spider-Man 2 better than both these films. However, after my most recent rewatches, I would definitely put both Amazing Spider-Man films above Raimi's trilogy. The Amazing Spider-Man 2 is the best overall movie in the web duology. So in my Spider-Man ranking, I have The Amazing Spider-Man 2, The Amazing Spider-Man, followed by Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man, and Spider-Man 3 coming in last. You can check out my full Spider-Man ranking on Letterboxd under Cinematic Reviews. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. Since the digital release of Spider-Man No Way Home has been pushed back to March 22nd, the conclusion to the Spider-Man miniseries will be released on that following Friday. Next week, I'll be giving my thoughts on fan favorite Captain America Civil War. Also, always join me every week for New Release Monday.